RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Gameprint.net. We thank them and our patrons for their support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 415 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, May 28, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, May 31st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. Well, Kenna, this is your last show. Although, not a goodbye, just a see you later. Thank you for all the hard work that you've put into producing this podcast for the last several years. You will be missed from week to week. It's been my pleasure. It really has. And I'm really going to miss all of you and all of the listeners. Uh, You guys have been super supportive and wonderful over the last four years. Well, for the last time, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week? Well, this week we're trekking out Star Trek Picard's first official teaser trailer, and we're treculating about Picard's filming schedule, what Marina Sirtis knows about her former Captain's series. In our Star Trek Online and Gaming News segment, we speculate on what changes might be coming to Star Trek Online. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, We'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. That's right, Captains. Remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, the production of this show would not be possible without the ongoing contributions of our patrons. Listeners like you who have the opportunity of offering a financial contribution to the show from month to month. Now, remember, becoming a patron can be as little as a dollar a month or as high as you'd like. But in each tier, we offer rewards that we hope would entice you. Something to give you a little extra bonus in supporting Priority One Podcast. For instance, at $5 a month, you can join us in a private Google Hangouts chat where we talk about the latest news from Star Trek to movie news to science fiction, you name it, we talk about it in that group. At $10 a month, you get an unedited, unscripted show titled After Hours, where we just kind of let our hair down and talk about whatever Star Trek or science fiction news might be in the headlines that week. Those conversations usually get heated and quite fun. Now, Captains, we understand that a financial contribution isn't always possible, but there are other ways that you can help support the show. We're looking for volunteers to join the production, and specifically, we're looking for audio editors to help clean up a segment or two. We currently have a great team working hard each week, but many hands make light work. 
Shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com with audio editor and the subject line. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's check it out. If you were excited about the leaked CBS Upfront Picard clip, then we hope you're sitting down. On Thursday, May 23rd, CBS released the first official look at Star Trek Picard. The one minute and nine second high definition video shows a vineyard. Skilled and careful hands work the crops while a female narrator says, 15 years ago, today, you let us out of the darkness. You commanded the greatest rescue armada in history. Then, the unimaginable. What did that cost you? While the narrator explains that whomever she's addressing led the greatest rescue armada in history, we see a contrast of old and new. A hand-operated water pump and several hovering watering machines working the vineyard. An unidentified man strolls a well-traveled path as the narrator questions what that mission cost him. Faith in us, faith in himself. Then a carefully arranged case of wine bottles is placed on a rustic table. The labels come into focus, revealing Chateau Picard. The music swells into the familiar Star Trek theme, and a blurred image slowly reveals the contemporary Jean-Luc Picard. In closing, we see the previously revealed title card, and a flute-like instrument plays the first few notes of Star Trek The Next Generation's theme. As the music fades, text reads, The end is only the beginning. For a link to the teaser trailer, check out the show notes. First of all, a point of order. It's not a flute-like instrument. It's a Ruskin flute. I just want to point that out a little bit of Star well, Trek nerdery. That is quite possibly what that is, a Ruskin It is Ruskin. absolutely a Ruskin flute from the inner light. All right. 100%. Okay. I will put money on it. And even if I'm completely wrong, I won't be here to find out. So, there you, you know. go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, this is this was a wonderful trailer. It was so exciting to watch. They're not kidding when they talk about having a different feel from Star Trek Discovery cuz this was slow. It was relaxing. It had notes of, you know, Thanos at his garden retreat at the end of Avengers Infinity War. But yeah, to- a totally different feel from the sort of dark mechanical discovery kind of action. So it was really, really lovely to watch. I was so excited to see the vineyards in this trailer because this trailer was released 25 years to the day of the airing of All Good Things. Which, as we all know, is the greatest series finale of any television show ever. So how exciting to see that in this trailer and to know that this story takes place almost at the same time frame. I'll be honest with you, though, I didn't like it. I didn't. Yeah, but you like Discovery, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, you know, that's true. Because, you know, like, first of all, let's call out the hyperbole for what it was. Look, it was a great series finale of series finales, but... 
let's let's tone back the hyperbole here and suggest that it's the best of all. I mean, we're all fans here. It is often cited as the best by television writers and, and is and is the benchmark by which most television writers, and I'm not joking here, most television writers will gauge their own series finales. Is it as good as this one? Kevin Feige just mentioned it in an interview when talking about Avengers Endgame. Damon Linderloff mentioned it when they were finishing Lost before he worked on Star Trek Into Darkness. It really is one of the gold standards for series finales for television. I will fight that tooth and nail because I, I honestly believe that and most television writers believe that as well. But yeah, I didn't I didn't like the trailer. I it's slow, it's I, I just didn't understand what they were going for. I don't understand the tone of the show. I don't, and I, I understand it's a teaser trailer. And I'll be honest, I really didn't like the first trailer for Discovery either. And I ended up very much enjoying that show. So I, I'm sure I'll love the show, but taking just this teaser trailer into account, just the content we've seen, I am not excited. If this wasn't Star Trek, I wouldn't bother tuning in. I'll be honest with you. Well, that just means that I'm really going to like it because <laughs> I, I, you know, it's first of all, it's a teaser trailer. Now, yes, there have already been spoofs and parodies made, you know, turning it into a Viagra commercial uh, or which was, yes, hilarious. Was it a wine commercial selling a new CBS licensed wine product? I get it. I understand. You know, I my takeaway was the nerdy. Oh, man, look, he does end up tending to his vineyards the way it ended in TNG in all good things, right? It may not be, we may not quite yet be at the Q stage here, that Q chapter, but he's tending to his vineyards. He left Starfleet. He didn't retire or didn't, he didn't push off his retirement. He ended up in the vineyards the way we see at the end of, of TNG. So that got me excited. The, the, the nerd canonical part of me got really excited about it. Well, one I, thing I'm I did want to point now. out, hang on a minute. No, let me talk because this is one thing that, because you mentioned the, the series finale, All Good Things. If you remember, in All Good Things, he's actually got a degenerative brain disease. And so it's actually really badly affected him. And there's no indication of sort of when we are exactly and whether that will actually play into. I don't... I don't recall exactly whether at the end of all good things, everything that we saw in the future is definitely going to come to pass. And that's something that I think the trailer is not very clear on. Has he married and divorced Beverly Crusher? Is he experiencing eremotic syndrome or whatever it was called? Uh, we don't, these are big, big questions that we have no even indication for in the trailer. I'm not I'm not suggesting that they're going that nitpicky, but at the end of TNG or in the future after he leaves the Enterprise, he ends up tending to his vineyards. Yeah. So whether or not the syndrome happens, that's and that's what I said is that we don't know yet, you know, there's no indication that that chapter has happened, but I'd like that headcanon that oh look he does end up on his vineyards. Yeah. I honestly would put lots of money down that none of the footage we saw, zero, zero footage from this trailer is actually in the show. I would put money on it that none of what we saw is in the actual show. 
Now with all of these Star Trek Picard photos and videos making their way to the public, you may find yourself wondering how far along is filming on the Picard series? Well, we have a fair idea, thanks to a rock-solid source or two. Back on March 1st, several trade publications, including Deadline, reported that Hanel Culpepper was slated to direct the first two episodes of the upcoming Star Trek Picard series. A couple of days later, Star Trek icon Jonathan Frakes let slip on the Writer Experience podcast that he was set to direct the second block of episodes, which included episodes 3 and 4. So when on Thursday, May 23rd, Hanel Culpepper retweeted the question, quote, are you still filming Picard, end quote, with the answer, quote, I've wrapped and Jonathan Frakes is filming his block now, end quote, a few eyebrows were raised. To further corroborate the statement, on May 21st, Frakes tweeted a photo of himself with his former captain and longtime friend, Sir Patrick Stewart, with the caption, quote, back on the floor with this guy, end quote. Check out the show notes for a link to the tweets. I love seeing them together. I am very excited about the show, regardless of my feelings on this trailer. I think the show is going to be great. I think that because of Jonathan Frake's involvement. So I know that at least the third and fourth episodes are going to be good. What's interesting to me is that they haven't actually announced anything for episodes 5 through 10. So we've known about Hanel Culpepper for months, we've known about Jonathan Frakes for months, and there's no indication of 5 through 10. Now we know that there's 10 episodes and that they're being filmed in blocks of two, so presumably there's some kind of plan. I would imagine that episodes 3 and 4 will be done here in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll know a little bit more about sort of the, the tail end of the series shortly. I think the only reason for that is because, you know, they wanted to give us who was directing the pilot episode, the first episode. And then Jonathan Frakes is a big name and they want him attached to the series, you know, for publicity. I think the rest of the directors are probably other Discovery directors or other television directors that are coming on board, but they're definitely not as newsworthy as Hanel Culpepper and Jonathan Frakes. And speaking of former Star Trek The Next Generation cast members, another star has been hitting the media circuit. Marina Sirtis, Star Trek's counselor Deanna Troy, has a starring role on the West End's Trafalgar Studio 2. The play, Dark Sublime, casts Sirtis as Marianne, an aging actress and former sci-fi series star, struggling for work. Sirtis stopped by The Graham Norton Show to discuss the play, her role in it, and several other topics, including Star Trek. The ever-entertaining Sirtis spoke of her relationship with Star Trek creator and visionary Gene Roddenberry, referring to her adopted father figure as a, quote, cheeky, naughty scamp, end quote. She also discussed the fact that Star Trek fans hated The Next Generation when the show premiered, saying, quote, there were like 30 people and they'd all be sitting there with arms crossed going, how dare you take the place of our heroes, end quote. Finally, she spoke a bit about Star Trek Picard. When asked about the production and her place in it, Sirtis told Norton, quote, I have no idea. You know what? It's being guarded better than Trump is guarding the nuclear codes right now. I know that it's like you said, 25 years in the future, and it's not as like hearts and flowers as TNG was. Apparently, Patrick, when he told us, he kind of apologized for doing it without us. He said it's a little more dystopic a little more reflective of how society is now, end quote. For a link to The Graham Norton Show, check out the show notes. Uh, So what I take away from this interview is that everything old is new again. Sounds very familiar. And in fact, it seems it sounds like the same exact story as the Deep Space Nine crew talked about, you know, when they when they talk about fans reception to Deep Space Nine. Fans do not like change. 
I'm, I'll, I'll say I'm included in that. I'm not a huge fan of Discovery. It remains to be seen whether 10 years from now I will be like, oh, I love it now. But yeah, we don't like change. Captains, we're going to cross streams here in a second and talk about the Orville. Now, several episodes ago, you might remember us talking about a VR project put together by several Star Trek fans on their own time for no money. Together, they teamed up to bring to virtual life a scaled model of the Enterprise D in virtual reality. Now you would have needed an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vibe to experience it, but that doesn't matter anymore because after a cease and desist from CBS, they had to squash that project. That didn't stop the developers over at Messy Desk Interactive though, because they turned their attentions to another beloved sci-fi franchise, the Orville. Again, that team has spent countless hours bringing to virtual reality an interactive experience aboard the Orville. You can walk through rooms, walk on the bridge, even interact with some NPCs, some non-playable characters. What is perhaps the most exciting thing about this is that all that work was validated by none other than Seth MacFarlane himself, tweeting to the project, God damn, we love our fans. Hashtag the Orville. Now, I just learned about this project as we were recording this, and I cannot wait to fire up my Oculus Rift and walk aboard the Orville. Yeah, have you watched the uh, walkthrough video for this? Not yet. No, I didn't even get a chance to do that. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And plus, uh, it came out not long after they announced it, uh, that the Orville would be getting a season three. And there's a really nice little sort of uh, dance party at the end. I don't want to give any spoilers, but yeah, it's really cute. They've they've choreographed a, a nice little congratulations for uh, the crew of the Orville on their season three renewal. It's really cute. Now, I, you know, I have to say it. I get it that, you know, the, the, the relationship between CBS and the people that they license their IP to, for instance, the existing Star Trek VR, put, put them between a rock and a hard place with this group of Trekkies that made a interactive virtual reality experience to walk aboard a galaxy-class Enterprise, the Enterprise D. But you see the reaction that Seth MacFarlane had to it, and, and it just, it's heartwarming, you know? Like, the, this group got validated by the creator of the Orville, and sure, Seth MacFarlane may not have a bunch of licensing deals all over the place, like CBS does, but I don't know, I think it goes a long way to have seen a tweet like that and have the hard work that you've put in for no pay validated in that way. And I wish that CBS could have gone an extra mile to maybe have this group team up with Ubisoft or the developers of the VR game to try to put together something that players could still, and, and fans of the franchise, Star Trek franchise, could experience with their virtual reality rig. It's I, I, I'm disappointed that they missed the boat on this. I mean, you got to look at it from not even CBS's standpoint, but it might not even have been CBS that had a problem with the VR. Right, that's what I said. It's, uh, the Ubisoft was a license holder. I, I get, I 100% understand that. I wish that could have gone the extra mile somehow. Somehow th that project could have stayed alive because, you know, they, they it, it was a labor of love. Obviously, it didn't fall under fair use copyright. It was uh, in some way a direct violation, but, you know, again, it's, it's kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago with, you know, the CBS now branching out their their marketing and their their product lines and whatnot is that hopefully they don't ignore the fans and they don't poop on the little guy as long as the little guy isn't doing something that 
is blatantly costing them billions and millions and thousands and trillions of dollars. Well, Captains, that's it for this week's Trek It Out. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, have you taken the opportunity of visiting MixedDimensions.com or GamePrint.net? Because there you will find an immersive library of nothing but starships, customized and tailored to every sort of visual aesthetic available in Star Trek Online. Well, most, with the exception of some items. The best part is, I don't have to settle for whatever generic starship name or starship registry that the company may arbitrarily design or decide on. I can actually customize the shield, the hull, the nacelle colors, you name it. I can actually modify it to be my ship. And captains, you can save 20% off any ship at any size with coupon code PRIORITY20. That's PRIORITY20 at checkout. So upload your design or choose from an immersive library. Either way, save 20% with PRIORITY20 at checkout. We are grateful to GamePrint for their support of PRIORITY1. Well, captains, it's been a long road. Getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but soon Stowe won't support 32-bit gear. That's right. As of July 18th, Star Trek Online will no longer support 32-bit computer hardware. As has been the trend in the last few years, if a game wasn't already developed for 64-bit, most current games are doing away with support for the limited 32-bit hardware. So if you are still running Star Trek Online on an older machine, which, to be honest, would have to be anything older than 2012, you might want to make sure that it is supporting a 64-bit architecture. This change will hopefully give the developer some more freedom to create higher fidelity and more dynamic content. I think that the most exciting thing with this is that uh, 32-bit hardware limits the amount of RAM you can have access to uh, as far as you know loading the game into the active memory. So this allows it to really open up and load more of the game in so that you can create more dynamic, more high-fidelity content, and you're not limited to trying to make it fit into that you know, 32-bit architecture. So I'm excited to see what this could possibly mean. I think taking the team from the foundry and then having this happen is, we're starting to see maybe the direction that they're heading in the next year or so. Captains, for those of you that may not necessarily be up to speed with current technology trends and best practices, if you are in fact still running a machine uh, on a 32-bit Windows architecture, just for security purposes, it's a good idea to consider putting some money away and trying to save to purchase a machine that does in fact support 64-bit. Windows is notoriously vulnerable in this in 32-bit space, especially as of right now. Also, you are undoubtedly getting lower performance out of out of virtually everything. So yes, to your point, Anthony, opening up the doors to 64-bit sure helps the end game players in the long run, but I think it also is 
It's just operating systems and 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 publishers aren't supporting 32-bit anymore. Just generally, why why spend the money in there towards those resources? I'm assuming it could only be because Star Trek Online came out almost 10 years ago, and at that point, a lot of people were coming from 32-bit machines. And so it's almost as though computer hardware has evolved over that time into the 64-bit space, and now it's only natural for Star Trek Online to continue that evolution. And I think that's a good thing, because it means that that they want to bring the game relevant to the audience, to the, to, the, to the gamer audience that's playing those games right now. And there's no doubt that they've done their research before making this decision. Anybody who's out there still using 32-bit and and voicing a concern about this may end up being in a vocal minority. I think even just majority of gamers, majority of end users, not even gamers, but just end users, everyday consumers who may not be gamers, but, you know, are dabbling in Star Trek Online because they enjoy the Star Trek multiverse, will already have had a 64-bit operating system in one way, shape, or form. Well, the temperature may be getting warmer outside for most of us, but the login screen looks mighty chilly. Well, Star Trek Online is hosting a snow gear fashion contest. That's right. Dress your captain up in the snuggliest, warmest attire and submit your screenshot to community at crypticstudios.com. And you could win some pretty cool prizes. First place, we'll get a retail copy of the game signed by the developers, a Defiant Elkar system display poster also signed by the developers, an exclusive Stow badge from last year's STLV, and a Star Trek Online pin. Submissions will be accepted until this Monday, June 3rd. Check out the show notes for all of the contest details. What kind of uh, winter gear do you like to dress your captain in, Elijah? It's actually the pink con version outfit that I did for a ballet ice skating tournament that we hosted way back in the day. I'm sure there are pictures out in the wild of me in this outfit. Uh, Can we expect that as your cosplay at STLV this year? Nope. So, Anthony, why don't we talk a little bit about last week's interview with Al Rivera and probably one of the biggest takeaways that has been causing some buzz around the community, uh, and that is his tease that they were doing something big to Star Trek Online, you know, something that will that he said would make a lot of players happy. What what do you think that that could possibly be, Captains? Before we get into this, we need to make it abundantly clear: we have no knowledge of what Al was talking about. We did not have any conversations behind the scenes. We are not privy to any of this information. All of this is just conjecture and our own theories. So, the first thing that I thought of when he said that was the something having to do with the console either servers or UI or something merging something with the consoles and the PC version. Now I know you know we've had some internal discussions uh, with uh, with our friend uh, Skiffy and you know there's a lot of complications with merging the PC server and the console servers but I can tell you that my my biggest issue is that I really want to play on console, but I can't take all of the investment that I've put in the game on PC and transfer that over to the console. And and that's that's definitely a big frustration for me because I really enjoy playing on the console. I really enjoy the console UI. Uh, and I also, uh, you know, f- to be quite honest, my PlayStation outperforms my PC right now on, on graphics. 
Uh, plus, my TV is bigger than my monitor. So there's a lot of reasons why I want to do that. That's the first thing I thought of. That might just be a hope and a dream for me. But I would really love it if somehow possibly connecting the console servers and the PC servers, even though I'm, I'm almost positive that's not it. I hate to poo-poo on that idea for you, but after several interviews with them talking about what it takes to develop for console and PC, there seems to be at, le at least a three-month baking period before content, most content, and especially heavy content, goes from PC to console. So unless they're pulling back PC production to meet, to match up with console requirements from both Microsoft and Sony, I don't see that happening. Also, you know, Skiffy brought up a good point, which is, well, if they merge it, what happens to the money that you might have spent on console versus the money you might have spent on PC? You know, there's so much to that wish that I just don't think is in the cards for Star Trek Online. They've and you know they've actually been able to whittle that baking period down to a month. They're now about a month between releases when it comes out on PC and, and console. And just recently, they did in fact release one update that went live on both the PC and the console on the same day. You know, you, you're right. You're absolutely right. But I, you know, in the very least, it would be great if they brought some of the console UI elements to the PC. I think that would be fantastic. And that's what I said. When you guys were going back and forth about the console thing, I was like, well, it might not be the console, but it could very well be the UI that they have spoken about, which is it, it's possible to do, but not not an easy task. That could be the the happy medium here in the in the conjecture and the wishful thinking is that is that they'll port over the console UI so that on PC, you can hook up your controller and start playing Star Trek online. We've seen some, you know, people hoping for exploration. Uh, we've seen that feedback on the subreddits, on uh, on feedback to us on on Facebook and, and Twitter. Maybe I, I, my guess, if I'm gonna put money on anything, my money is going to be on merging the Klingon and Federation alliances, so that crossplay can finally happen. That's where my money is. They're tearing down the faction wall. <laughs> you know, the I didn't even think about exploration because that's also a big thing that I I kind of miss those those nebula zones that you could go into and just kind of like, you know, float around and collect um, you know, materials and whatnot. I think I think some kind of exploration aspect of the game, like a, like a whole quadrant or a uh, a whole system by which you can gain rewards by by doing explorative, story-driven content, I think would be really cool. Um, I think that would be a lot of work, but I, I think that would be super cool. I think you could be onto something, too, with the faction merger. I, I don't know. So what is the current state of that? Because as far as I'm aware, at, in the end game, you can you can play certain endgame content together. So where would the bleed be? Like TFOs, where, TFOs, you still can't. You can't queue, you can't queue up together. You can't team queue up. up as That's a team. Right. Yeah, That's you can't right. queue up. So you can't team up with TFOs. You can't, yeah, it's, there, there's a wall. There's the, the red versus blue wall there. And I could see why that would be the case. You know, here's something that I was talking to and talking with a little bit uh, with one of our listeners, Gabby, you know, she was saying how she wishes that more was done with perhaps ship interiors, right? We spent mm. a lot of time 
with in Star Trek and in general, Star Trek, the canon, right? The, the, the TV and films on the bridge and in the ship, right? So currently we have these zones in our ship that we don't, you know, I don't ever walk around in my ship, you know, I don't ever really do anything. But I don't know that that's necessarily the problem for me personally. I find that over the last 10 years, you can log into Star Trek Online and not talk to anyone, ever. And in my experiences with MMOs and even some first-person shooters and whatnot, heck, even with Overwatch, I will you know, play a round with a few people and then all of a sudden, hey, that was a really good round. You want to team up and, and stay teamed for the next round and whatnot. There isn't, I don't know that there's much of that in Star Trek Online, for, especially for the casual player, right? If you are a MMO veteran, you know that there are things like zone chat and, and uh, area chat and whatnot, and you'll go to the forums maybe, but for somebody who may be new to the MMO world, somebody who may not go out of their way to type in zone chat or may not even be aware of the difference between zone chat and fleet chat and all these things, Star Trek Online can really isolate the player. And I'm hoping that that's on their radar somehow and that we can think of ways of making Star Trek Online a social experience, right? For people who want to, right? Because you go to Earth Space Dock and nobody's around chatting. You think back in the days of City of Heroes, you know, people in Atlas Park talking up a storm but you don't see that on earth space dock you don't you know you see that in games like world of warcraft and even other mmos people just out just standing around talking you don't really see that in star trek online and i think that the star trek community is a community that is warm and welcoming and inviting and star trek online misses that beat if you're not already in a fleet mind you i've made some lasting friendships but that was because I, I, you know, it was it was through the podcast, it was through listeners. No matter how much I wanted to log into the game and try to strike up a conversation or try to meet somebody or try to meet new people, it just never happened. You don't walk away from a TFO going, you know, hey, let's you want to that was really great. Do you want to team up again and do the next one? That that seldom happens. Just going back to your ship interiors, I, you know what, I I completely agree. One of one of my favorite things. To, to do was to collect accolades and then display them in my 10 forward area on my ship. And there's not a lot of bridge interiors or ship interiors that allow you to do that anymore. You have to have the old ones. In fact, I purchased the uh, Enterprise D interior pack when it, when it was released. And th- you can't hang up your trophies at all in that because it's modeled after you know the show um i currently am flying the enterprise j style ship the universe class and the ship interior for that is just the bridge like i can't even go to any other area of my ship which i find odd because they actually created interiors for that ship for one of the missions so why did they not hook it up for the interior of that ship i mean that's that's a really hard ship to get i mean that's an expensive ship on the Exchange. Why doesn't it have a ship interior? The other thing, you know, in connecting with what you're talking about in the social aspect of it, one thing that that we haven't talked about that could be a possibility is PvP. Right. We could see a whole PvP revamp that would, in fact, cause us to have to talk to each other. I mean, you, you look right now. I mean, uh, you know, co-op games. Uh, you know, Fortnite. You know, you're on you're on a, a three or four person team heading into the you know last man standing type of type of situation. 
maybe they're going to do a big PvP revamp, and and that might have the side effect of us then talking to each other in the game and and strategizing and and playing like some of these uh, you know popular games that are out there. I think that also the idea or the the concept of perhaps breaking down the faction wall would also help with that social aspect of the game because now. Absolutely. Klingon, you know, Klingon players, Klingon allied players and Federation players can hop onto a TFO whenever they want and start talking more. And, and I think that that would be great for armadas and, and, and friends and whatnot. And, you know, I miss I, I miss the, the golden era of MMOs where people would just sit around or stand around a monument and a central zone and talk looking for team or you know look you, you'll see the occasional oh join such and such armadas join such and such fleet but i look back on the last 10 years and i've made some solid friendships but i do wish that star trek was just star trek online was a little more social in that aspect at least the option at least the option because i already hear people going i love my first player experience and not talking i don't want to be forced into it i get that but the option would be nice or something or a faction barrier torn down you know something like that it's interesting because one of my favorite things that's ever been in the game was the original uh, STFs. And you had to be in a five-player squad, open communication. You, you, had to, you all had to know what you were doing because those were really tough missions. But I really enjoyed them because they felt like you had to reach out to other players and ask questions and get involved and, and coordinate um, either on TeamSpeak or, or or Discord and 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 get together and play the game with other people for that end game content. We want to know what you're speculating about, Captains. What do you think Star Trek Online's lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera was so cryptic about? <laughs> Let us know your thoughts in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO415 or by replying to our social media posts on Facebook or Twitter. And now for some upcoming events. On PC, you can receive 50% more marks during the Bonus Marks weekend from now until Monday, June 3rd. Also, save 20% on costumes and boosts in the Zen store this weekend until June 3rd. For console captains... If there's a certain ship you've been having your eye on in the Zen store, well, this weekend you can save 20% off ships from now until Monday, June 3rd. There's also a Junior Officer Weekend scheduled for June 13th through June 17th. And now it's time for our weekly top tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our weekly top tip. When Rise of Discovery launched, the devs also snuck in a tiny little UI update that solves a big problem on some ground maps. If you haven't already noticed, there is now a button called Regroup under the Request Reinforcements button at the bottom of your bridge officer's HUD that will summon or transport your bridge officers right to your location. So. When several of your bridge officers get stuck somewhere on the map, like the ore processing room in Stormclouds Gather, or when your frosty boots gets you to the action before they do, now you can regroup with them without having to wait. In other gaming news, Looney Labs, the makers of Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation Flux, have just released Star Trek Deep Space Nine Flux. The game with ever-changing rules is now visiting your favorite space station. 
help Cisco, Worf, Dax, and the rest of the crew gather gold-pressed latinum and study the wormhole. But beware of creepers like the Founders and Jem'Hadar. Star Trek Deep Space Nine Flux is available now at your friendly local game store. It's designed for two to six players, suggested ages eight and up, and plays in about 10 to 40 minutes. Check out Priority One Episode 380 for our review of Star Trek and Star Trek TNG Flux. That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we are ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Episode 414's community question was, What do you think of the Star Trek Picard news, including the title and uniforms? From Facebook, Ron Kinney writes in, I think that this series has to be less divisive than Discovery, or it just might sink the whole franchise. Give us a series that will unite fans and isn't designed to divide them. I actually take uh, umbrage with the idea that Discovery was designed to divide fans. I mean, that's kind of what the implication is here, which I don't think is true. I think that Discovery did divide fans, but I don't think it was designed to do that. I think it was actually designed to be a good show that would actually unite people. But as we've seen before, Star Trek fans are a fickle bunch. And I think we were always going to have a group of fans that were not that keen on it and vocal about the fact that they were not that keen on it. So, but I do agree. I would like to see a series that brings everybody together behind it and, and kind of brings back that sort of Star Trek spirit. And from our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell writes in, The show's title is a bit on the nose, but it makes sense when you think about it. Because folks aren't waiting with bated breath to hear, <clears throat> These are the voyages of some random nobody starship, or diplomatic shuttle number 47. No, we're here to watch the voyages of Jean-Luc Picard. The uniforms are all right. I'm disappointed that the show didn't adopt the Starfleet uniforms from the game as well. Though, I get why they went the way they did. Unlike Discovery's blue fabric from Switzerland, I'd assume that the Starfleet uniforms in Picard are primarily for background extras, so it makes more sense to go with something cheaper and easier to make quickly. Well, so it would seem as though the costumes that we saw in those leaked images, set photos uh, taken in Anaheim, were cadets. So the images from Star Trek Online, or the images that you see of Data from the countdown comics are inspired from Star Trek Online for sure, but those are officer uniforms. So we could very well see officer uniforms that are more in line with 2409 Star Trek. Ooh, do remember that Alex Kurtzman co-wrote Countdown and also co-produced Star Trek 2009. There's a huge amount of like motivation on his behalf to sort of unite those two. I mean, technically speaking, they do unite those those two things uh, a little bit anyway because countdown was before the hobus disaster which wasn't that what split the timeline oh man somebody stop me because i'm getting all confused with my canon it gets a little confusing around that era but i would not be surprised at all if we see those uh, odyssey uniforms back and if i recall correctly the artist who drew data in the countdown actually snuck that in because jj wanted nothing to do with any of the other CB existing star trek timelines you know or 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 existing canon quote unquote 
Uh, and so the artist actually snuck in the Sierra uniform from Star Trek Online. From Twitter, Ken from Chicago tagged us to say, The Star Trek Picard teaser is all about setting the tone. This is a Jean-Luc Picard who is not as, well, he was never carefree, but not as bold as we last saw him. He's gone through the ringer since we last met. There's speculation, but it's not... It's vague enough that it could or could not be... I mean, the the... the the best theory is that it's um, Starfleet was attempting to help evacuate people from when Romulus was destroyed. So that would put the voice as probably being someone of Romulan descent and Picard having helped with that because he was an ambassador to Vulcan at the time. It, at the end of the day, it could be anything else as well. We, we just don't know. From Facebook, Jason Smith writes in, Hard to say. It's a tease, and it teases us well by not giving us much to go on. I will say, expecting the annoyance of having to get another stream service to watch in Japan, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, that wraps up episode 415 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, and daily Star Trek news, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's a community question for this week. What do you think is the big change coming to Star Trek Online that Al talked about? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 1130 Eastern on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there is something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon Parker, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the production of our weekly show. And to community manager Shane Hoover, with support from Salaknar of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. 
Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Kenna for four years of amazing collaboration in producing this show from week to week. You will be missed in the future episodes of Priority One. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Sue, no. Engage. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network